Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Maroon Friday edition of The Yard. Hope you're well today. Hope it's a payday for you. It's Friday. You know, when we play baseball on Thursday, it's kind of like uh, the schedule gets a little, you know, discombobulated in your head. Like last night, I'm thinking, okay, well, I can come home and rest tomorrow, get up, go cover a ball game. Forgot I had to record, but we're recording early today. I'm not exactly sure what's going to happen with weather. We're expected uh, to have some uh, precipitation in the forecast that could be uh, around game time, could impact Start time, I don't know if we push to tomorrow or not. People are already asking. We have not heard anything as of yet. But uh, for those of you that potentially could be in harm's way, be sure to take necessary precautions. It's that time of year. It is, and it seems like that's what we got to live with. Once a week now, it seems we're having to be weather aware. So uh, caution to all of you out there that could be traveling today. Make sure that you're uh, paying attention to not only the forecast where you are, if you're traveling to Starkville, but the forecast on the way. Don't want to see anybody get hurt. We've had a lot of loss of life in our state in the last couple of weeks as a result of these weather events. We'd like to avoid that, if at all possible. And again, uh, not much to um, you know to say about that today, because we don't know yet what's going to happen. So a lot of people are asking, we don't know. We just don't know. And uh, we didn't have Coach Chris Simonis last night in postgame as he was ejected. More on that later. Uh, Coach does get the one freebie, so there's no appeal process. And we do expect him to be back in the dugout um, for the next ballgame. But uh, an interesting, interesting night at Duty Noble Field. Bulldogs come up short, a 6-4 loss. We're going to fully recap the game. And I got some things to say, too. And I'm going to go ahead and just go ahead and preface this now by telling you I will say some things during our recap that um, may be a bit controversial. And there are going to be some people who say, Steve, you're wrong about this. That is absolutely fine with me. You're welcome to disagree and rest in your wrongness. But I'm going to go ahead and say that right, right out of now. The disclaimer, I'm going to say some things that I'm very, very, very serious about, very disturbed about. And um, we'll just kind of leave it as it is for now. But uh, I'm tired of losing. I did think we brought a good effort last night. We had a chance to win that ball game. Uh, one could argue we probably should have won that ball game. But we didn't win that ball game. And I'm tired of losing, just like all the rest of you are. And not, not I can promise you nobody's tired of losing more than Coach Chris Monis, the staff, and our players. So in no way am I trying to suggest you know, that the loss that we feel is more significant than the one they do. You know, we're not out there every day. We're not the, the men in the arena. But we all have a shared experience here. And we all love Mississippi State baseball. And we love uh, our players and coaches, even though we don't show it at times. But uh, the reality of it is, is we need this group to turn it around. And I thought we took a step last night. There are no moral victories when it comes to Mississippi State baseball. We might be willing to accept that sometimes in uh, men's hoops and, and football, especially in football. But uh, in baseball, there are no moral victories. And so we lost. 
Did we play well? Yes, at times we did. I thought other times our approach to play was a little bit lacking. But the reality of it is, is we didn't get enough hits to win the ballgame. We didn't score enough runs to win the ballgame. I thought we pitched it pretty well. We only used two pitchers, so we saved a lot of arms for us at the weekend. I think we managed that pretty well. And I want to give Colby Holcomb uh, a big tip of the cap before we even get started. I thought Colby Holcomb was really good last night. And they have found something with him. You know, his first couple of appearances, he was shaky, to say the least. But uh, that kid's a tough kid. And you can just kind of tell in his moxie, this is a guy that wants to compete. And I, I thought he did it exceptionally well last night, kind of holding the game in place and giving us a chance to come back. We just weren't able to complete it. Let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company. I love Bulldog Burger Company, and, and you should too. If you don't already, you should go ahead and begin a fabulous love affair with that wonderful restaurant, part of a great group of restaurants here in the Golden Triangle area, part of the Eat With Us group. And uh, matter of fact, I went, I've, I've eaten at the grill like three times in the last uh, few days. Uh, we'll get to Bulldog Burger Company soon too. I- excited to get over there because I know what I'm going to get, right? I-, I know the consistency that I'm going to get when I go to Bulldog Burger Company. That is an undervalued portion of the restaurant experience is the consistency of knowing exactly what to expect service-wise, food quality-wise, atmosphere-wise. You're going to get it all. It's a total package at Bulldog Burger Company. Three great locations to serve you. University Drive here in Star Vegas, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, and Lake Harbor Drive in the Ridge and Flowood area. Reminder, April 7th, for those of you in Tupelo, they're going to have their first ever live music event is Hannah and Carly, local artist from the Tupelo area, will be performing from 6 to 9. Cat Hat Vodka sponsoring the event. Go by and, and uh, have some of that. They're really excited uh, about you guys coming out and uh, plan to have future music events in the future. I love live music. I do. I'm, I plan to go enjoy some tomorrow evening uh, down in Jackson. But this is a chance for you and Tupelo to go have a great restaurant experience, a great meal, and then enjoy... Uh, the entertainment of some local uh, entertainers. Go out and support Hannah and Carly at Bulldog Burger Company. Again, it's April 7th. You've got some time to prepare there, 6 to 9. And again, sponsored by Cat Head Vodka. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet, M-E-A-T. All right, let's jump into this ball game. And uh, Gerangelo navigates through the first without scoring, allowing any runs. But um, the thing that concerns me, it seems like maybe we're not getting it done in the bullpen. And I, I don't know who's down there managing that or navigating through that. There are a lot of times, you know, and we saw it with uh, Graham Einzema. We've seen it with a couple of other guys. It's like, you know, we go out there, we have the tough first inning, and then we kind of rebound a little bit. But, um, you know, we, we make it through the first unscathed, but it wasn't without a little drama. We get Wimmer to strike out looking to open the game, and then Cassis flies out to left, and you're thinking, man, here we go. Can we get a one, two, three in and in the first? Well, we don't. We walk Petrie. And two out walks are of the devil. Messina's then hit by the pitch, and then LaCroix's hit by the pitch. And now the bases are loaded. You're thinking, is this really happening again? Are we about to give up a grand slam or a base knock in the gap and two, three runs going to score and we're going to be chasing the game again? But that's not what happens. Give the kid credit. He bounces back and give Braswell to strike out looking. And Braswell's a tough out all night. Really good job here. Uh, we actually get behind an account 2-1 and then uh, work it back and get the K there. And so a nice moxie from uh, Gerangelo Sanji. 
the guy's going to be a star for us, and he's having to grow up. And I mean, the fact that we're throwing a true freshman on Friday says two things. Number one, we haven't maybe managed the pitching as well as we should, recruiting-wise, in the last couple of years. And perhaps we weren't aggressive enough in the portal, but it also says a lot about the talent of Gerangelo. All right, bottom one, State goes one, two, three in the inning. Larry strikes out swinging. Ledbetter flies out down the line and left, and Hines follows suit. Both of those, uh, I don't know if it was a concerted effort for us to try to go the other way there, but both of those just kind of routine fly balls uh, to left. So one, two, three for us. We come back in the second and kind of pick up where we left off in some respects. We issue our fourth free pass in just over an inning. We walk Denny. Stone then reaches on the fielder's choice. They get the bunt down. Kind of a questionable bunt here, too. Was not a good bunt. He bunts it right back to the pitcher, and we force the runner at second. So, basically, it's a wasted A-B. You get nothing from it. It's a non-productive out. And it's not necessarily a testament to our defensive prowess here. They basically just gift us an out right here. We couldn't turn two here. Then Brewer singles up the middle, and it sends Stone to third. So, runner's on the corners now. And then Wimmer, the leadoff hitter, who has hit some tanks for them, they bunt again. And I don't understand the thinking behind this. Yes, they won the ball game, but this to me is basically a dead half inning here. They bunt it right back to the pitcher, and uh, Gerangelo is able to look the runner back at third and then throw out the hitter at first. So too quick, and then he gets uh, Cassis to uh, strike out looking. It was crazy here, too. It was an 0-2 pitch. The ball was inside, and then Cassis kind of chicken wings it. Lifts his elbow up into it. Gerangelo immediately on it. Lamonis immediately on it. They review it. And sure enough, he did. He did lift his elbow up into the pitch. And he is called out. That is now a strike. He's out. Inning's over. So we have a bit of a jam here. And uh, kind of a Bush League play here from South Carolina that doesn't go their way. And then you start thinking, okay, well, maybe this is going to work out for us. All right, bottom of second. They hit Isaacs. We got the leadoff runner on. And, of course, out of pettiness, they challenge this. And this is the kind of stuff, too, that really irritates me. Listen, I'm a baseball purist. I love baseball. This is nonsense here. And, and nonsense is the only PG-13 way I can say this. That pitch, it was nowhere close. Now, the only good thing about this is, is they lose the challenge, right? But when, when you're doing stuff like this, this, this is not a challenge in good faith. This is nonsense. Absolute nonsense. This is Bush League baseball at its finest by the South Carolina bench. Isaac then still second. Hancock, uh, you know, gets the ball down, and uh, we hammer this ball with a full count, and it goes off the pitcher, and he's able to recover and get Hancock at first. You start thinking, man, if that ball gets through there, it's probably a one-nothing ball game. That ball was hit well, and give the pitcher credit for recovering here. But it's just kind of a tough luck situation there. Jordan then grounds out to the pitcher. Kind of a you know, similar situation. Ball hit hard. And uh, they do a good job. The runner has to hold. And then uh, they intentionally walk Kellum Clark. And then Slade Offord flies out to center. So a, a missed opportunity here. You get the leadoff runner on. You get him into scoring position. And we're not able to do anything with it. And in a ball game like this, where runs come at a premium, that matters. Top of third. Gerangelo clearly settling in here. He strikes out the side, and this is 3-4-5. This isn't 7-8-9. He gets the heart of the order, three Ks, swinging, looking, swinging, and then all of a sudden you think, hey, hey, we've got traffic on the bases, and all of a sudden our starter's settling in. 
Maybe we got a shot here. We get some evidence that, hey, the Bulldogs are here to play here in the bottom of third. Uh, Forsyth grounds out the second. Larry strikes out looking. And the next thing you know, we, we spark a little two-out rally here. Ledbetter hammers a single into right field and then still second. And then Hines hammers the ball back up the middle. Ledbetter comes running, scores. It is a one nothing ball game. And then Hyzak, uh, it grounds to third, and they force a runner at second. But Bulldogs up one nothing after three innings of play. Do you know one run's not going to win the ball game? I mean, especially with an offense like South Carolina, and now leading the nation with 68 home runs. But at this point, you feel like, hey, we're in this thing. We need some good things to happen. We needed a clean inning here in the fourth, and we don't get one. We don't get one. Braswell doubles down the right field line. And... Um, Good throw here by Kellum Clark. I don't. I just don't think Lane did a good job kind of navigating around the bag there. And um, he was safe. They called him safe. We review it. And he was safe. The replay that we saw in press row, he was safe. And uh, it's a bang-bang play. You don't want to be too hard on Lane there. But you had a chance there to get a big out early, and we didn't get it. And then Denny grounds out the second, pushes the runner to third. We get Stone to strike out swinging, so now we're a pitch away of getting out of this. And the nine-hole hitter, uh, Brewer, who was hitting the buck 76, coming to the ballgame, who actually had a couple hits against us, raised his average almost 50 points last night. He doubles to center field, the run scores, and then Wimmer lines out the center. So now it's a 1-1 ball game, And again, this kind of boils down to us here, right? you got to execute a little bit better. And you'd like to be able to go out there. And that's what happened. With the, here Again, we weren't able to do it in a second. They get a leadoff double, basically. They get a double and uh, push the run around and uh, kind of manufactured run here. So a couple doubles in the inning, ties the ball game, and, you know, hey, we're still in it, right? 1-1 ball game. All right, bottom of four, Hancock grounds out to the pitcher. Jordan then singles to the shortstop. We have some speed in this lineup. We do. We do. There, there are no routine grounders with some of our guys. I mean, they're, they're going to hustle down the line, uh, give them a lot of credit here. Dakota Jordan uh, swinging the bat pretty well this weekend. And, uh, he of course, had a good game on Tuesday with three hits, his first three hit of his college career, uh, three-hit game. But we hustle down the line there. Ball's, you know, deep in the hole, it's short. I mean, and you know when he has to go that far back with a guy like DJ getting down the line, it, it, it's going to be a safe play. And uh, next thing you know, DJ gets picked off at first. And he was going. I mean, he was going. As a former catcher, I can tell you just reading his body language, he gets the, the, another half-step lead, and he's leaning towards the bag at second. A good catcher is going to notice that and signal to the pitcher. Uh, we used to call that dirt. We'd have dirt. We'd have dust. We'd have, you know, we had different different plays for it. But um, they pick him off, and that's huge. And then uh, Kellum flies out to, uh, to left center. So, again, you get a runner on, and um, he's erased on a base running error there. All right, top of five. Casas uh, flies out the center, and then uh, Petrie, on a full count, hits a home run to left field. It's a 2-1 ball game. And you knew at some point they're going to hit some home runs. They're a launch angle team. It's what their offense is kind of built around. So you're, you're trying to keep them in the ballpark, and I thought we did a good job early kind of pitching backwards and spotting the changeup early and not letting them hunt the fastball. We did a good job. I thought the pitch calling was good. And, uh, again, I don't know what the pitch calling was, and neither do you. I just know this, that um, if he's pitching what was called, we did a good job kind of keeping them off balance. Well, they finally time one up here, and that's what happens. You know, a couple times through the order, they get a chance to look at your stuff. They kind of You become a little bit predictable. Messina then singles to left. LaCroix strikes out swinging. Messina takes second on a steal. And then Braswell again. 
Uh, got a good night. Doubles again down the right field line. The run scores. Now it's a 3-1 ball game. Braswell goes to third on the wild pitch, and then Denny strikes out looking. So, you know, good offensive inning for South Carolina. But it's still a ball game. Bottom of five, State comes right back here. Uh, they bring in Hicks. And Slate offered singles to left field and uh, really, really turned on this one. And Slate is a guy that's had some real challenges at the plate, made another error in the field last night. Uh, and we stacked the order with some right-handed pitchers. And I wanted to ask last night Chris Simonis about the analytics, about why we elected to uh, – we have all these left-handers and we elected to kind of stack the order with some right-handers. And uh, in some respects, it worked. And good for Slate, right? Uh, and we'll have more on him later in the show. Forsyth then gets a sack bunt now, and I certainly agree with playing for one here. Good job for us. And uh, Larry then grounds out to third. And so with two outs, Ledbetter, first pitch, absolute tank job. I think it was a laser over the field and slate scores. And then Heinz uh, singles to right center, and then Heizak strikes out swinging. Good job for us putting the ball in play here against a pretty talented reliever, and the game is now tied. And now you start thinking, hey, we're, we're going to do this. We need a clean inning here, and we get one for the most part. We immediately Holcomb comes in and we walk Stone, but it was a competitive at-bat. But you get ahead one, two, you can't lose that guy. You, you can't. Of course, and here's what happens. A lot of times walks for us turn into double. Stone's still second. But we're able to respond here and get Brewer to strike out swinging. Leadoff hitter Wimmer flies out to right. Runner tags and takes third. And then Cassis grounds out to short. And at this point, I'll be honest with you, I thought, hey, we're going to be okay. We're, we're going to be okay. We've kind of navigated through the storm here. Uh, Gerangelo's going to have a no decision. However, you know, the game is tied. And we've got Holcomb, who has kind of found something here as of late. We're going to be in a ball game. We come out immediately, and it's a double to right field for Luke. And, and it's a 2-2 count, and Luke works at full, so you kind of got to come to him. You don't want to walk the guy. He doubles to right. And again, DJ, infield single. When you got that kind of athleticism, nothing's a routine play, right? Because what happens is you speed the defenders up. They've all seen the scouting reports. They've seen film. They know that that's a big old boy getting down the line there. DJ Jordan's going to be a great player for us. I'm a huge fan of Dakota Jordan. I'm glad that he is getting some opportunities and responding here. And then uh, the ball gets loose there, and they're reluctant to cover third. I mean, it's like, you know, we, we think it only happens to us, right? Well, there's a defensive lapse here by South Carolina. Luke takes full advantage and goes to third. So you got runners at first and third here, nobody out. And, and we have the momentum. The crowd is alive. We're hearing we're in a wide chance. We hadn't heard a lot of those this year at Duty Noble Field. And it feels like we're about to take the lead. And then DJ. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. That's right, the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year. And me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest. And we'd go up there. And just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scoot. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. 
That's what Decovis does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink, and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom fitted for a new pair of Tacovas boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to Nerd Wallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year. Managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup. Putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with smart money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. He's thrown out. And the throw is offline. Good job by the middle infielder there of being able to tag him as he comes through. And everybody's like, well, if he slides head first. I mean, you, you don't know that. You don't think it, it that way. Yeah, if he slides head first, he makes it. He does. But if the throw is on the bag, he probably makes it anyway. Bad throw from Messina, but good job by the middle, middle infielder to recover and make a play there. And then Kellum Clark strikes out swinging. So all of a sudden we go from a promising situation here with runners on the corners and nobody out, and then Offer pops up the second. We get nothing out of it. You know, you're hoping here with Kellum at the plate, even, even a double play ball scores a run, and you're up 4-3. You know, routine fly ball to right field, you're up 4-3. And, you know, of course, you'd, you'd like to think in more grander – uh, terms, you know, a three-run bomb here. Hey, we're you know we're probably celebrating today, but the reality of it is this sequence, I think, in the bottom of six, proved to be a turning point in the ball game. We had all the juice and momentum, the stolen base, the caught stealing there from Dakota Jordan, and I don't know if that's a sight read of his own. I don't know if we called it, but the reality of it is that proved to be a momentum killer for us. Not being critical of DJ. But that play, that sequence changed a lot because he's out and then Clark strikes out swinging. So now all of a sudden you've got this runner at third 
and you've got to get the benefit of a base hit to get him home, whereas two pitches before, just about any way of putting the ball in play, you're going to score him, you know, with the exception of maybe a pop-up on the infield. So this is, to me, one of the defining sequences of this ballgame. All right, top of seven. This is when the controversy came, and we're going to talk at length about this top of seven. So buckle up. All right, so Petrie singles up the middle, and we it's a one-two count here. We catch too much of the plate here. He goes to second on a wild pitch. Again, it's almost like, you know, it's a double on us every time. All right, and so then on a one-two count, Colby Holcomb th- throws strike three. The crowd goes nuts. The dugout goes nuts. The replay shows that it was a strike. The very next pitch, Messina hits a home run to left. Lamonis loses it. He is ejected. South Carolina's dugout goes crazy. It's like we're playing in a U-Triple-S-A game. Um, a little Bush League with those guys. Uh, but Lamonis is gone. Now, and what's funny, too, about this, before we get into that too much, Lamonis can't win with some of you guys. Now, I understand we're 0-7 in the Southeastern Conference, so criticism is warranted, period. However, some would say, oh, you know, well, all Chris does is sit on a bucket, which isn't true. And some people take some shots about his weight, and uh, we need fat Lamonis back. That, that is so unbelievably tacky. I mean, come on. And then Chris goes out there and gets ejected. Oh, well, you know, why is he doing that? He don't want to stay and watch this anymore. Yeah, hey, you don't want to watch. If you're one of those self-loathing Mississippi State fans, you don't have to watch. Netflix got a lot of good stuff on it. The, the Night Agent is spectacular. The Waco documentary is spectacular. So don't do us any favors by watching the ball game if you're unhappy with the ball game. If you're not willing to support this team and this program and this university, then go watch Netflix. Don't subject yourself to this misery and make everybody else around you miserable. I was glad to see some fire for the coach. I was furious. You were furious. And if you weren't furious, then that's a problem. And Lamonis goes out there and fights for his kids and fights for his pitcher and fights for his team, and he gets ejected. Quite frankly, I was glad to see it. And I'm sure we'll get a letter from the league we're sorry, we're sorry. You know, when they screw up your dry cleaning, you know, we're sorry. You know, it doesn't change anything. But I thought it was an important moment. Now, here's another thing that I'll tell you, too. And we're going to take some time with this before we uh, finish the top of seven here. And I don't know if we have any players that listen to my show. I don't know. I know many of the parents do. I know that you guys do. But let me tell you this. I love Mississippi State baseball. I got an M over S tattoo on my left hand. I got a NAFL championship tattoo on my right thigh. I love Mississippi State baseball. Maybe you love it as much as I do. I don't know that anybody in the, in the history of uh, Mississippi State has covered college baseball the way that I do and the way that we do on our website. We cover every game home or away. We give you unprecedented coverage because not only do you love it, we love it, and we love covering it for you. I love the tradition of Mississippi State baseball, of our history. I can tell you some of the most significant names in Mississippi State baseball history many of you have never heard of. And so we are a proud program. We are a proud people, especially when it comes to baseball. 
Now, we have played three SEC opponents. So let, let me speak directly to our players here, okay? All right, so we go play Kentucky. And uh, Kentucky's a good team. They're not a great team. They're probably middle of the pack. They should make the tournament. You know, they still got to navigate through. Uh, they got, you know, Vanderbilt, Tennessee, and Florida, all very good within their division. Got to play all those teams. They're a good team. We go up there. We got a kid, Tyson Harden, a sophomore, and uh, still not exactly sure what his availability is. Wishing him the best. Gilliam hits a home run and then bat flips towards our pitcher. And then Austin Strickland runs over the dug runs over there and punks our dugout. Now, when you're getting beat on the way we were, you know, maybe you don't do or say anything. But what's happened is it appears that we have established a precedent that you can come punk Mississippi State baseball. It's not enough to beat us, right? I mean, losing is part of competition. I understand, hey, that's how baseball is, right? Some days you win, some days you don't. We've lost a lot more days than we wanted to here as of late. But Kentucky punks us. They do. Now, Parker Sinnett, not exactly sure what he said. Don't know if he was even – he may be getting credit for something he didn't even do. I don't know. Parker Sinnett was later rejected. Whoever said it, I appreciate you standing up for our tradition and our baseball program and our fans. But it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. Vanderbilt comes in here last week. You know, with all their privilege and their need-based aid and all that sort of stuff. And, of course, they had a message to send after we beat them for an AFL championship two years ago. Even though many of those players today weren't on that team, you know, that coaching staff was. And then what is they hit the grand slam and like the next kid up comes up and lays a bunt down. I mean, it's like they're up, what, 13, 14 runs and you're laying a bunt down. I mean, you know, we're basically waving a white flag here and you're laying a bunt down. And nobody did anything. And so you can say, well, Steve, you know, come on. No. You're wrong. You cannot let people disrespect you. That's the old Dr. Phil adage. You train people how to treat you. And if you let people run all over you, then they will continue to run all over you, and so will others. And then it becomes this self-fulfilling prophecy where you start thinking, well, maybe we're just not good enough. Maybe I'm not uh, important enough. Or maybe I don't deserve any better than this. Maybe this is what should happen to us. Maybe I should have somebody stick it in my face and make me like it. So Messina hits this bomb last night when he should have been struck out. And give the kid credit, right? I mean, hey, it's a big, it's a big shot in a big moment. And he ran his mouth all the way across the diamond, and then talks trash to us coming down the third base line, and nobody does anything. Now I love Luke Hancock to death. Luke, you got you got to say something. I know it's not in your nature, I know, but you're the last guy that sees him. You got to say something, and maybe you did. I don't know. But I know this, there are three SEC opponents that have played us this year, and all three of them have disrespected us, period. And some would say, well, you know, Steve, the best way to do it, shut up, okay? 
Because what you're doing now is you're excusing the behavior. You cannot excuse that behavior. And I'm not talking about their behavior. I'm talking about our behavior. Hey, if a guy hits a home run, he deserves to pimp it a little bit. But don't get carried away. I remember Mason Katz coming down here doing that. And then Kendall Graveman, the very first pitch of the first at bat on Sunday, Kendall's like, you know what? You're not going to buzz our dugout. Not going to do that. And then he goes over and State wins the game that day. I'm in communication with a lot of former players. You hear it a lot. We get behind in a ball game, something like this happens, my phone lights up. I can't believe this, this happened. I've heard some guys from the 80s. I cannot believe this happened. They, honestly, they're more upset about the bunt than they are anything else. And people say, but Steve, you know, baseball's a gentleman's game. They're, yeah, it's true. In some respects, it's true. There's respect for the game. But you've got to have some respect for yourself. You cannot let these guys come in here and punk you. Period. They may win a ball game. But you let somebody come to Duty Noble Field and throw a bat on our logo and dance on our home plate? No. To me, that's a bigger problem than the losing. Losing's part of competition. But you're not going to come in my house and disrespect me and then expect me not to do anything. You say, well, you know, Steve, the best revenge is to win the ballgame. Hey, I agree with that. I agree with that. But there's a certain level of bravado I'm only going to put up with. You're not going to come in my house and disrespect me. Period. And it pisses me off. And it should piss everybody off. If you love Mississippi State baseball, if you play Mississippi State baseball, if you coach Mississippi State baseball, if you support Mississippi State baseball, if you've ever owned an M over S cap, if you've ever worn the maroon and white, it should piss you off. It pisses me off, in case you can't tell. We played a good ball game last night. But it wasn't just a loss six to four. It's the fact that this guy comes out here and then absolutely disrespects us. And we don't answer. You say, Steve, are you, are you suggesting you throw at somebody? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. But I expect somebody to stand up, and not just for themselves, but for all of us, and for everybody that came before us, for our forefathers, for the Stark villains of old. You stand up for William Jennings. You stand up for Buddy Meyer. You stand up for Willie Mitchell. You stand up for... For Mike Kelly, you stand up for Bruce Castoria, you stand up for Paul Merrill and Clark and Thigpen and Brantley and and Pete Young and Jody Hurst. You stand up for Adam Frazier, you stand up for Hunter Renfro. This is bigger than you, this is bigger than one play, this is bigger than one game. I'm, I'm going to tell you, I suspect that, that our reputation around the league is that we're soft. You're not going to disrespect me. And if it costs me a suspension, then so be it. But you will not come in here and disrespect Mississippi State baseball if I'm a part of it. And so my challenge here is to anybody involved, whether it be a fan, I'm not saying throw things. We're not LSU, okay? We're not LSU. We're not going to throw things. We got to be vocal. And I'm going to tell you, you know, there's only so much I can do, you know. I'm a middle-aged, upper middle-aged, meager scribe out here. But I got a platform, and I'm going to tell you, this pisses me off. And maybe you don't like my language today, and that's fine. I'm keeping it PG-13. 
I can promise you I feel rated X and NC-17 in my heart. This kind of stuff absolutely gets under my skin. Period. Period. Well, and as well, if you don't want him to dance, don't play the music. If you don't want him to, 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 to buzz your dug out, don't give him a home run. And listen, Colby kind of gave in here in, in a frustration, threw a ball center cut, and we paid for it. And Messina's a good player. He's a good hitter. But it's not this one incident. It's the fact that every SEC opponent that we played has absolutely killed us, with the exception of last night, right? But it's bigger than that. It's bigger than this season. It's bigger than a game. People are disrespecting Mississippi State baseball. And the people that are caretakers of this program cannot stand for it, period. You know, we're all just fans. We get on Twitter or whatever. We get on our podcast. We get on Facebook. and We can say things, whatever. And it doesn't mean anything. But when somebody comes up there and disrespects you in your house, you have an obligation to answer, period. Period. Let's get back to our ballgame here. So after Lamonis is uh, ejected, Colby strikes out LaCroix, and then we get a ground ball to third, and uh, Slate throws the ball away. Then even flies out to center. Braswell goes to second on a throw, and we, we try to, you know, pick him off. I think we got rattled a little bit here. That guy's not going anywhere. You want to keep him close. But, uh, you know, we've kind of aggravated our circumstances here. Then we walk back to back hitters. The space is loaded, and you think, hey, we're, we're done here. But, no, we get Wimber, to, the leadoff hitter, to strike out. So we get out of the deal. Bottom of seven. It's a 5-3 ball game. And, uh, again, we have a chance right here. Lane uh, rips a double to left. One hops the wall. On a full count, I told Namath, I said, man, if we can get Forsyth on here, I think we're going to tie the game here. I think we've got a little juice here. And Forsyth absolutely rocks this ball. It's a double off the wall. It's a runner in scoring position. And, again, we go back, you know, how many times, like even the the Hyzak situation earlier. You get a guy in scoring position with nobody out, you got to find a way to get him around. We don't. Just like in that situation, runners on the corners, nobody out, we don't score. Same situation here. Leadoff runner gets a second. Larry grounds out to third. The runner can't advance. Ledbetter then pops up to the second baseman. Hines strikes out looking, and that's one, two, three in your order right there. Those are the guys you got to count on. So we threaten here, and we don't get anything out of it. Top of eight. And... Um, Colby you know, appeared to be fading a little bit late in the seventh. We bring him back out of here in the eighth, and I thought he did a really good job here. You get Cassis, and again, this is two, three, four. You get Cassis to strike out looking. Petrie to strike out swinging. Then Messina, um, he of the controversial home run, is walked and still second, and then LaCroix flies out to center field. So even though we had the two-out walk, which is of the devil, we're able to navigate around that and kind of keep the game where it was. Bottom of eight. And this is you got to make hay when the sun is shining right, and your pitcher's hanging you in the ball game. You got to reward him, right? Isaac strikes out swinging on the ball. A high changeup was in his eyes. Hancock grounds to first. They they third of the pitcher he covers, and then uh, DJ grounds out to short. All right, top of nine, and uh, Colby goes back out there. A lot of people question the decision. Yeah, we don't. I don't think we had anybody up. I would have had somebody up. We get Braswell to strike out swinging, and he was a tough out all night. 
give the kid some credit. Denny then walks, Stone walks, and right now I'm thinking, why don't we have – because anybody out there, you're not going to burn them for the weekend, right? Unless we go into extra innings, you're going to have to do it anyway. Brewer and singles to right field, the run scores, and at this point I would have lifted him, probably would have lifted him after that second walk. Wimmer strikes out swinging, and the Cassis strikes out swinging. And uh, good job for Colby. I mean, Colby threw almost as many pitches as Gerangelo did. But uh, he was definitely on fumes right here. Definitely was on fumes. And, uh, again, give him credit for gutting through it and us not having to, to, uh, to, to expend a little more energy with another arm. We only used two arms last night. That's, that's significant. It is significant. All right. Bottom of nine. We mount a bit of a rally here. Kellum Clark singles to the right side, and you're thinking, hey, we got a chance. And then Alford, Slate Alford, with one of the best at-bats of the year, without question. This is a kid that's really struggled. Guys, it's a 1-1 count. It goes to 2-1. And then we fell off a pitch. 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 And then he throws the ball low. And a good eye here. The ball was low. I know the South Carolina dugout wanted the call here. But I give Slate a lot of credit. It's probably too probably too close to take. But it's a ball. And we foul it off and foul it off. And what's interesting, too, and he was behind it. He was. Austin was, was doing a good job not letting off or get the bat head out in front. But if you watch, it's like Slate starts timing him up. First, he's fouling a ball into the screen over the dugout, right? The next thing you know, it's down by the berm. And then it's off the wall, almost there by the Atkerson Plaza. And then what do you know? He rips the ball into right center. And so great at bat by Slate there, and uh, they pinch run for him. And when he came back, the dugout mobbed him. I mean, it's like, that's a kid that's fighting for his team right there. And listen, that's a guy, too. He could have just said, you know what? This ain't going to work out for me. I'm going to hit the portal. He could have done that. But he showed last night that he still got some fight left in him. And that's a talented guy. We need to get him going. We do. We do. And defensively, it's been a liability. And that was the calling card last year is that he was the best defensive third baseman we had and that, you know, that, you know, when he, when Cam James moved on, that Slate was going to lock down the hot corner. He hadn't done that yet. But maybe this can be a turning point for him. And it's a confidence builder for sure. Huge at bat. Now, all of a sudden, the tying run comes to the plate with nobody out. A lot of people thought, well, why don't we pinch hit for Lane? You know, Lane doubled last time up. You know, and listen, I know that he's a guy that works in the middle of the field a lot, and this is one, too. It's just an unfortunate situation. It's a ground ball, and they turn two. The run scores at 6-4, and you think, okay, the game is over. But give the top of our order some credit. Amani Larry works and works and works and works and earns a base on balls. And then Colton Ledbetter hits a one-hopper to short with the shortstop ranging back towards the middle. It's not like he was back in the hole. And he beats it out. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? A one-hopper to short as hard as that ball was hit? And he beats it out? And he does. And then, of course, they review. And he not only did the call stand, it was confirmed because, yes, he beat it. Most people that run that fast get gold medals. It's incredible. But it says a lot about the fight and Colton Ledbetter. And so Hunter Hines comes up. There's probably not, you know, there's one guy there that could win a ball game for us with a swing. The one he runs at the plate, and uh, I give Austin some credit. Of course, we're looking fastball. He spots up a couple change-ups. We swing over him. We foul one back, and then we take a breaking ball for a strike, and the game is over. I hate losing. But I'd rather lose like this than lose like we did last weekend. I'm ready to win some ball games. 
I know we've taken a long time to talk about this ball game, but I wanted to speak extensively about standing up for Mississippi State baseball. And listen, I'm just a guy, right? I mean, I, I, I can't bring any change. I got a platform. I can talk about things. But it pisses me off. It absolutely does. If people are coming in here disrespecting us. So you got to do something about it, one way or another. All right, looking back, the numbers, Colton Ledbetter, who was our guest last night in postgame, three for five, uh, two runs, and the two RBIs. So very good offensive night for him. Hunter Hines, two for five last night. Uh, Luke Hancock, one for four, and kind of had a tough luck on one. Dakota Jordan, two for four. You had a three-hit game on Tuesday. That's five hits for the week. One for three for Kellum Clark, two for four for Sweet Offer, and, of course, that great at bat there, and then uh, Lane with the big double off the wall. Bulldogs get 12 hits to nine for South Carolina. The difference is they got a, they got a couple bombs, we got one. Proved to be the difference in the ballgame. But we had our chances. You know, it's not – give South Carolina credit for making some pitches. We had our chances, though. Uh, Jerron's logo's five-innings pitch, allows six hits, three runs, two walks, nine Ks, uh, one wild pitch, two head-by pitches, and throws 96 pitches in the ballgame. And Colby Holcomb, four-innings pitch, three hits, three runs, and, uh, of course, two of those come on that home run that, that never should have happened. But uh, six walks for him, that's up. And, and some of those came late when he was on fumes. And so I'm not going to be too critical of that. He walks the first guy he sees, and then late when he's basically just trying to gut it out for his team, he walks a couple guys. And listen, he's a tough kid, he is. But eight Ks. So as a team, we strike out 17. If I told you before the ball game we're going to strike out 17 and we're going to out-hit them, you'd think we won the ball game. That's how crazy baseball is. But uh, – Durangelo, 96 pitches, and Colby, 92. And again, what's huge about that is it saves arms for the rest of the weekend, and we need as much of that as we can get. But uh, South Carolina numbers, I mean, they kind of spread it around, but Dylan Brewer, the nine-hole hitter, again, was hitting a buck 76 for the ball game, goes three for four in the ball game. You can't let the nine-hole hitter have that kind of night. You can't. You can't. All right, let's move on. Time for today's top 10 list is always brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. That's C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R. Go by and check them out. You'd be glad you did. Blair is my friend, your friend, a friend of those in need. He is a mortgage loan origination expert. Top 1% close ratio in the country back-to-back years. And here's the deal. If you mention to him, you heard about him on the ball yard, he's going to pay for your appraisal. That's 601-500-2344. 601-500-2344. And that goes directly to Blair. That's not a receptionist. That's not a call center. That's directly to Blair. You can call or text him today. I encourage you to do so. Many of you have dreamed of owning a home at some point in your life. Blair can make that dream a reality. Works your fairway mortgage. Recently voted number one in customer satisfaction with mortgage loan origination. Stick with the winners. That's Blair Chandler. Again, that's closewithblair.com. You'd be glad you did. Okay. So the movie Air is coming out April 5th. It's coming up, and uh, we're doing kind of a series of shows of top 10 lists uh, to kind of commemorate the year. Of course, Air Jordans came out in 85. And so I'm looking forward to seeing the movie Air. We'll probably go over tonight if we can, depending on the schedule. Uh, I'm looking forward to see it. Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, every time those guys get together, it's always great. And uh, really, Air Jordan made Nike at the time, I guess in some respects, maybe still is, uh, 
uh, the most dominant brand in all of athletic shoe wear. And so looking forward to seeing the film. And uh, Roy's really hyped about it. He claims that he had the first pair of Air Jordans on the Mississippi Gulf Coast because he worked at Foot Locker. Some insider trading there. I don't know if we can get him indicted for that or not. But uh, that's the deal. So we're excited, and uh, we're sharing that with you, not because we're getting paid to do it, but it gives us a chance to take a trip down memory lane. I've never had a pair of Jordans in my life, ever. Uh, My boys have had them, and I don't know if I've ever shared this with you, too. So when I grew up as a kid, man, we were as broke as the Ten Commandments. We were absolutely broke, man. When I was a kid, we had discount rack shoes from JCPenney, wore a lot of USA Olympics, and uh, Jordans came out, and of course they were about a hundred bucks. You know, you could get a pair of uh, other shoes for you know thirty, forty, fifty bucks. And so we didn't have anything. You know, all we had was each other and our hopes and dreams. We didn't have a lot of material possessions, and so in many respects, you know, shoe wear was a big deal to me. And so I made sure that my boys always had nice shoes. My girls too, and uh, trust me, their mom took care of that. But um, but Annie got new Jordans every year for Christmas or his birthday or something, because I was never going to let my kids go to school and feel lesser than, you know, and uh, very blessed and fortunate to have been able to do that. And uh, really, I guess it's the pathology of my own life. You know, it's like people talk about living vicariously through your kids. I was not going to let my kids go to school without having great shoes. And uh, that's probably one of the reasons that I have uh, over a dozen pair of Chuck Taylors. I love Chuck Taylors. They're fashionable. They're, for the most part, comfortable. And uh, they fit the brand, and so I wear a lot of shoes. And uh, my youngest is a big sneakerhead. Told you guys before, I, I think it was on my Wednesday show, he has a ton of uh, Air Force Ones and uh, just got some custom-made shoes. And so uh, so I think we've got that accomplished, right? I think we have. And uh, happy, 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 to say the least, uh, to ensure that um, we got good shoes around here. All right, hopefully you got good shoes too. And so because of the fact that Jordan's debuted in 85, we're taking a trip down memory lane and we're talking about the great music of 1985. We're going to do rap on Monday and rap was becoming a force in the mid 80s. Today we're doing pop music and uh, many of you feel like that you're a bit of an aficionado with 80s music. I can assure you I can probably go head to head with each of you like Mike Leach, Mike Leach, Mike Nemeth. We'll try to quiz me every once in a while. Like last night, um, you know, my future's so bright, I got to wear shades, comes on. Who sings this? That's Tim Buck Three, right? And he's like, I don't understand how you know all this stuff. Is this from the time that you were a DJ? Well, I'm from the MTV generation. That's what we did, man. We sat around all day and watched music videos. We were, it was cool. It was fun. You couldn't wait to see new stuff. And uh, the mid-80s was a high point in American music. And so our time, we, we pull up the top 100 singles of 85, and uh, things were different back then in many respects. But there was so much musical influence in fashion and popular culture, more so than there is today. It was one of the greatest times in American history. And so we're going to do our uh, top 10 pop singles. Now, there are some great songs that didn't make the list, and uh, I want to share this with you, too. Uh, like I picked, like Wham's Make It Big album was out. They had, a lot, they had three top 25 singles off that album. So we didn't, we didn't go with that. And uh, no Duran Duran, because that album actually came out in 84. It was just still a big deal. And Madonna, of course, was uh, huge at the time, too. But uh, 
you know, Cindy Lauper, people like that. The Eurythmics, Brian Adams was huge at the time. Heaven was a big song, but we didn't use any of those. And uh, Born in the USA actually came out in 84 as well. And so a lot of good tracks. And so these are my top 10 top pop singles from 1985. Number 10, and I probably should have put this song higher, to be quite honest with you. I loved the song. And I remember when they used to play the, uh, the video Countdown. I can't remember what channel it was on. And this song was number one for a while. But it's Tears for Fears, Shout. It's a protest song, and it's still relevant today. You know, these are the things I can do without. So come on. I'm talking to you. So come on. Tears for Fears, Shout. It was uh, covered by Disturbed, too. They did a great job with it. All right, number nine, off the Big Bam Boom album. It's Hall & Oates. And Hall & Oates really kind of ushered themselves into a new heyday in the mid-'80s. They had some big hits early, of course, with Private Eyes and uh, things of that nature. But uh, it's a great song, Out of Touch. Number nine, Out of Touch from Hall & Oates. Number eight, I, and, and I'm happy to say I had all these albums on cassette. Probably still have them somewhere. Number eight, it's Shaka Khan. I feel for you. Great song. I think I love you. Number seven, and this was one of the, probably the biggest video at the time. I want to say probably won some of the earlier VMA awards. I know I know what number one was uh, that year for video of the year. It kind of swept. But um, it's Dire Straits is money for nothing. Now, I will tell you this about this song. It's difficult to judge people in the past through the lens of today. But uh, in this song, there is a bit of a gay slur there. And uh, I don't know if you'd even call it a bit. It is very much a gay slur there. And uh, we played it at Duty Noble Field, and they, they bleeped that part of it out. Uh, but so, full disclosure, Dire Straits, Money for Nothing, number seven. Number six, Madonna was probably the most dominant female vocalist in the world at this time. And the song, Like a Virgin, was actually called the number two song that year. Uh, it's number six on our list because I'm a little, little more of a rocker. You know, I like people to have guitars, long hair, tattoos, things like that. All right, Like a Virgin, number six. Number five, this is a song, too, that was um, kind of a linchpin for change in the band Foreigner. Lou Graham didn't really like the song. He thought it was too adult contemporary. Foreigner was a band that had some edge to them. When you go back, you know, Cold as Ice and Urgent, there were so many, so many great radio rock songs. But the Agent Provocateur album kind of changed the direction of the band. And Mick Jones, of course, is kind of the, you know, the leader of the band. This is a, a song that Mick Jones really wanted recorded. Lou didn't want it recorded, and it ends up being a huge hit for the band. It's I Want to Know What Love Is. And uh, that was in the power ballad era, and this is one that was a little more radio-friendly than some other songs. So huge hit for them, because I want to know what love is, and I want you to show me. All right, number four. This is a great song, but an even better video, because we didn't know what people could do with animation at the time. It's like nowadays. I mean, you can animate a film from the comfort of your own home. But back in those days, I don't know what the budget was for this song, but it's AHA's Take On Me, number four. The video is remarkable. I know recently they had like a Snapchat filter where you could uh, kind of recreate the video, and many of you did. Maybe not enough of you did, but uh, a great song. And uh, my friends that became the Molly Ringwalds used to do a really good rendition of this. Number three. 
it's a collaboration between the driving force behind Genesis and probably the biggest voice in Earth, Wind, and Fire. And many of you would have this song a little bit lower in your countdown, and I would disagree with that. But it's Easy Lover from Phil Collins and Philip Bailey. And uh, so last night, I, I think it was uh, Philip Bailey, yes, on, on Let, Let's Groove, and I asked Mike Nemeth, ironically, I said, Mike, do you know who that voice is? And Mike doesn't know. Mike's not the music guy that I is. I'm his sponsor. I'm trying to get him there. And uh, you guys may not know this, but uh, they play Joker and the Thief from Wolfmother at Dirty Noble Field and at Davis Wade Stadium. And several years ago, when that song was uh, on the radio a lot, Mike liked it and said, hey, who sings this? And so I told him. And so I've always told him, it's, you know, it's Wolfmother. And every time it comes on, I say, this is Mike's song. And last year, because I love Mike, I bought Mike a Wolfmother shirt and gave it to him on press row. It was a big moment. And uh, he wore it to a game. <laughs> I wish he'd wear it more often. So Wolfmother, probably the only guy in Starkville, Mississippi, that has a Wolfmother shirt is Mike Nemeth. But again, Phil Collins, easy lover. Number two, this is the number one single of 85. It's number two on my list because I don't really like to end with ballads. And uh, plus, there's a little nostalgia with number one for me. But it's Careless Whisper from Wham. And uh, Seether does an incredible rendition of this. I love Seether's version of this. But uh, I had uh, Wham's Make It Big album. I admit that, even though I was a rocker. And uh, I think George Michael, you know, it's like you think about this today, you know, the grief that George Michael went through. Uh, and, and some of it's self-inflicted. I mean, it is. But when Andrew Ridgely and George Michael were becoming international superstars, there was all those questions about their sexuality. And nowadays, you couldn't ask those questions. And it wasn't our business then. It's not our business now. What other people do with their lives is their business. But George Michael, obviously a very handsome guy, very talented guy, and, um, you know, wore a lot of pastels and things like that and had the flowing hair. And people were like, hey, I think he's gay. Okay, so what? It's his business. Or it was, God rest his soul. But an extremely talented guy. But Careless Whisper, one of those amazing songs that, uh, you know, it just simply lasted. It stands up today. Number one for me, though, and the folks at Billboard disagreed. They had this song number 16 on their list. I was a huge fan of the Brad Pack. I'm a huge fan of the uh, movie The Breakfast Club. My children love it. And it's one of those things, too, all those John Hughes movies and things like that, to be able to turn them on to that. And my kids were like, man, it was so cool to go to high school back then. And it was. It was a blast, man. It was. You know, of course, we grew up as, as you know, children of the Cold War. You know, so we're always like under the threat of nuclear warfare. But it was a great time to go to school. It was. And I think most people look back at their teenage years and say, man, we had the best of times. I truly believe we did. I think we did have the best of times uh, back then. But, you know, the best years of my life are, are now. I, I, I love my life today. And uh, I wouldn't go back. I wouldn't. I mean, there's some bands I'd like to go back and see. If I could get a time machine to go back and just go to a show. But I wouldn't want to go back and, um, you know, have to deal with all of the uh, polo shirt, acid wash, jean, uh, Dexter, no socks uh, element of all of that. It was so much of that. A lot of hair product back then. A lot of bad cologne. You know. But uh, number one for me is Simple Minds. Don't you forget about me. It's a great track, man. I, I love it. Of course, that's the ending that they played the credits of uh, Breakfast Club to that. But to me, that song, in many respects, kind of typifies the mid-80s in pop music. And so that's number one on my list. Simple Minds, Don't You 
forget about me. So again, we'll be back and we'll conclude our uh, 85 series. I don't know, but maybe maybe we do something country. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. Ugh, I don't know. We'll see. But 85, we're gonna come back and do some rap and R&B uh, because again, rap music was becoming a force in American music in the mid 80s. I don't know that people fully appreciate that. I mean, rap was really kind of an evolving art form. It really began in the early 80s and really kind of found its foothold in the uh, in the mid 80s. You know, great bands like Run DMC. Uh, of course, uh, Curtis Blow was great. Marley Mall. All of it was great. Uh, but nevertheless, things were changing in music. But uh, pop music, of course, I don't know there's ever been a stretch where we had as many you know international superstars in American pop music than we did uh, in the mid-'80s. If you have ideas for the top ten list, reach out let us know. The best way to do that is to find me or Roy and or both of us on social media. Roy is on Twitter at dogmatic 67 that's D-A-W-G-M-A-T-I-C-6-7. I would encourage you to follow Roy because all he ever shares is Mississippi State content in our list. He doesn't post pictures of his food or his cats or his car, things like that. I mean, it's he's not this narcissist that so many people have become in this age of social media. Uh, but also, too, it makes it easier for you to keep up with the list. And you can find him on Spotify also at Dogmatic67. Your good friend and host is available on all forms of social media at Scout Steve R. If you're not following me on Twitter, I kind of question what you're doing with your life. Because nobody's putting more Mississippi State content out there than us, and we make most of that free. So be sure and check us out at uh, jeanspage.com. All right, next segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmart, a Stark Villian institution. I was there earlier this week, bought my wife an 85 white jersey. She loves college baseball. She loves Mississippi State baseball a while back. Having a conversation with uh, another lady, and she was like, you know, Danny, you know a lot about baseball. Who's your favorite MLB team? She says, Mississippi State. Um, and that's what matters, Diamond Dog Baseball. It's all about the M over S. But I went in there and picked her up a white jersey and uh, looking forward to give it to her. I told her about it yesterday. Uh, she'll be home next week for a few days, and so I'm sure she'll wear that as soon as she gets here. Uh, excited about all that. But uh, the reality of it is, is you can find your own Mississippi State jerseys, your Mississippi State T-shirts, and things you need for your home, your house, your car, your RV, whatever you need. You can outfit you and your entire family at Campus Bookmart. When you're in town, go by and check them out. If you can't make it to town, or perhaps game day is not a good shopping day for you, visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays, and that is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that gets you free shipping on all orders over 75 bucks. Any order less than 75 bucks, incomplete. Again, that's BSR at campusbookmart.net. I love going in there. I do. They've expanded the Bowie shop. You know, it's all upstairs now. The, the best selection in all universe. A lot of people make that claim. They back it up. Go by. And can I promise you, when you go in there, you, you, might have, you better bring your credit card or your checkbook because you're going to find a lot of Mississippi State merchandise you like. Not a better place to find Mississippi State merch than Campus Bookmart. All right. Let's take a look around the league. There was only one other game last night. LSU and Tennessee, and what a game it proved to be. Uh, that game, you know, we got a chance to, to see the ending of it. And uh, pretty crazy. The biggest, the biggest crowd in uh, Alex Box Stadium history. Did, did you know that? People were like, they're all excited about that. And, and then, like, the Tennessee fans were kind of, like, trying to take credit for it. Oh, Tennessee brings us out. Uh, listen, let me tell you, new money folks, this. Uh, the fine folks at LSU, uh, they have always supported their teams. Always. 13,068 people attended that ball game. That is the Alex Box Stadium 
attendance record, and that is very, very cute. That, that is really, really cute. It is. But it says a lot about LSU baseball that that many people would get out on a Thursday night. And uh, listen, Tennessee obviously is kind of the team that everybody wants to beat, right? Uh, so big night there and uh, good ball game. Uh, Paul Skeen's a uh, great game for him, uh, for sure. I don't think he was credited with the win. Let's pull it up and check it out here. But, um, but yeah, it, every, it's almost like uh, when you see Paul Skeen's numbers pop up there, it just, it just kind of kind of grates on the soul a little bit. You're like, oh, my gosh, if we could have had that kid, it would have changed everything for us. And that's the truth in many respects. But, um, you know, gives you a chance. But, um, you know, looking at this ball game here, it was scoreless forever and a day. Finally, in the fifth inning, Tennessee breaks through and scores a run. It makes it a one nothing ball game. And then LSU immediately answers. You know, and looking at this uh, you know, top of five here, you know, back-to-back singles to open this thing up, and they get a sack fly and then a strikeout. And so with two outs in the inning, Scott comes through and singles up the middle and the run scores. So two out hit there, three hits in the inning, three singles. Uh, and that, that comes from the nine-hole hitter. I guess maybe it was nine-hole hitter night. Tennessee takes a one nothing lead. And LSU responds immediately. Thompson with a double down the line and left. They get a K. And then uh, Duga, Scavin Duga, uh, two-run shot there, puts them ahead 2-1. And they eventually chase Dollander uh, there in the inning. So it's a 2-1 game. And you're thinking, okay, man, uh, LSU's going to cruise, right? No, no. LSU gives up the lead in the eighth is uh, Tennessee scratches across just one run there. Um, and, they, and then, of course, yeah, Skeens gets a no decision on this. Uh, Ackenhausen comes in and gets, uh, gets up a one-out single to Ahuna. He is the, uh, the, the former Kansas shortstop that uh, allegedly is involved in a tampering investigation that involves Tennessee that led to Tony Vitello being suspended for a game. And uh, they end up having to pull Ackenhausen, bring in Edwards, and he's greeted with a single, stolen base here, and the next thing you know, uh, you know, Tennessee's rolling, right? Tennessee's rolling because Ahuna comes in and scores. And it's crazy, too. <laughs> they bring in Ackenhausen, and he gives up uh, the single, and then it's a pass ball and then a wild pitch. And so he goes to third, and then that single scores him. And it's like, oh, well, this is it, right? No, that's not it. You can't beat the voodoo down at LSU, man. You got to have, you know, you got to have a big lead to have a chance because LSU comes right back in the eighth. Right back in the eighth, man. And it's crazy. There's two outs in the inning. Cruz flies out, wide grounds out. Like, okay, well, this is it. No, no. Then Cade Beloso reaches on a fielding error. Extends the inning. Kling gets a single. Then they hit Pearson with the pitch. There's two outs. You're pitch away from getting out of it. And then Jordan Thompson doubles to right center. And three runs come around and score. And, again, all this happens while two are out. And we think it just happens to us, right? It doesn't just happen to us. It happens more frequently to us, but it doesn't just happen to us. And then um, that's it. LSU's able to close it out there in the ninth. So exciting ball game. And uh, number one, LSU obviously beats Tennessee. And Tennessee already with four SEC losses, three and four, 27 overall. LSU advances 23 and three, five and two. Uh, in the Southeastern Conference, of course, they lose the Friday game to Arkansas last week, and then they lose game one. So Skeens, uh, back-to-back weeks, doesn't earn a victory despite the fact that he pitched exceptionally well. But uh, great ball game, drama late, 
It's what you always expect at Alex Box at night. It's just kind of how it happens. But uh, LSU will look to take the series today. Let's look around the league here and kind of prepare you for today because I'm not sure what's going to happen with our weather situation. Uh, we're waiting just like everybody else is. But uh, maybe by the time you listen to the show, we'll know some things. But uh, Georgia opens up a series at Vanderbilt. And, uh, you know, Georgia's a team that struggled a little bit this year. Uh, you know, one in five in the league. They get swept. Uh, to open the week, the, the open SEC schedule with South Carolina. They take one from Auburn last week. Missouri got off to such a great start. They take uh, three from Tennessee and then get swept last weekend by South Carolina. They're at Kentucky this weekend. This 5-1 and one Kentucky team, of course, they sweep Mississippi State, go on the road, take two or three from Alabama. This will be an interesting series. Auburn's at Florida. I really like this Florida pitching staff. I, I really, really do. Now, now granted... They're going to face some bigger sticks later in the year. And they may come back down to earth. But, uh, you know, Florida obviously uh, may have uh, the best offensive player in the country. So we'll see. Tennessee, of course, at LSU, we mentioned that. And then South Carolina, of course, uh, trying to take a series today at Mississippi State. For some reason, I think we're going to win today. We need to. Ole Miss is at Texas A&M. That's going to be an interesting series. Ole Miss has not played poorly, but they haven't played well enough to win. They're not playing the way we have. Um, and so some soul-searching is required there in Oxford. They're going to be on the road. It's so tough to win on the road in this league. I would tell you, though, going to A&M is not like going anywhere else in the West, except maybe Alabama. You know, going to A&M, they don't – I mean, they have, they do some cool stuff down there, but they but it's not – the place doesn't get rocking like it does at Arkansas, LSU, State, or Ole Miss. It just doesn't. In Auburn, to a certain extent. But Auburn's kind of behind the rest of us. But – it's not the home field advantage that maybe perhaps some other places are in the conference. It's good. It's an interesting stadium. But I think Ole Miss can go down there. I think Ole Miss could get the series, but you know, how, how can you have any conference to pick them? And, of course, Alabama's at Arkansas. I told you guys before the season began, I think Alabama was overrated. I think they've proven that. I think Arkansas is probably, probably playing better than expected. So let's run through here. I do think Vanderbilt takes a series from Georgia. I don't think that's a big surprise. I'm going to continue to ride with Kentucky, even though I think Missouri takes a game. I think this is a split, but I think Kentucky at home, I think they'll find a way to get it done. Uh, Auburn's at Florida. I like Florida to win the series. I could see Florida sweeping. That Auburn offense leaves a lot to be desired. Tennessee at LSU. I think Tennessee will get a game from LSU. It's just so difficult to go down there and win a series in Baton Rouge, and we've done it before, but it's a rarity. And, again, I think State wins today. I think State. I think State's best chance to win is game three. Um and the fact they used so many arms last night, I think, helps us. But, uh, you know, I can't, I can't in good conscience pick us to win the series, even though I feel like we took a step last night. I think if we win today, we'll take the series. I think State will win game three regardless of what happens today. If you win today, I think the series will be won or lost today. Ole Miss, of course, at a and I'm, I'm going to go with a and I'm going to go with A&M just because of the fact I think Ole Miss's pitching is, leaves a lot to be desired, even though this A&M team has not been as, as electric offensively as people expected. I just don't know if this Ole Miss team is ready to go on the road. And maybe going on the road is good for them. You know, sometimes getting away from home and give you a chance to kind of rally the troops a little bit is a good thing. But um, I think Ole Miss is a team that um, things are not going to get a lot easier for them either. Now, once they get – through the first half of the schedule, it evens it eases up a lot. But you begin to ask yourself, what kind of shape are you going to be in? So, I, you know, Mike Bianco always seems to find a way in May 
to kind of get this thing rolling. And I suspect that'll be the case this year. And real quickly, let's take a look at that too. Um, a lot of people have kind of given up on this Ole Miss team, including some of their fans, much like some of our fans, even though our losses have been a little more gaudy than theirs. Uh, they've played some competitive baseball. But, uh, of course, again, Vanderbilt and Florida, that's two top ten teams right out of the chute. You're going to go to A&M, a tough place to play, but not as tough. And then you get Arkansas at your place. And I like this Arkansas team. Then you come to Mississippi State, and uh, it's kind of an annual rite of passage. We beat those guys in a series. And then they go to LSU. Once they get through LSU, though, it's Georgia, Missouri, Auburn, Alabama. So those Final Four series you look at, even though two of those on the road, you look at and say, you know what? You know, that's manageable. We know about going up to Missouri and playing, though. That's not just an easy proposition. And going to Alabama, Bohannon, of course, those guys are probably fighting to get in the tournament, so Ole Miss will get their shot. But uh, if they once they get through LSU, the schedule really eases up for Ole Miss. And so, again, I don't, be the, don't be surprised when you look up in the month of May and that Ole Miss is kind of climbing in the standings a little bit. Don't be. Again, again Calvin Harris has got, they got some guys that can swing it for sure. Alabama's at Arkansas. I like Arkansas to take the series. I won't be the least bit surprised if Arkansas sweeps. It's so tough to play at Bomb. It just is. It is, I would venture to say, one of the best home field advantages in all of college sports. It really is. And Duty Noble's up there, too, as is Alex Box. And give Ole Miss some credit, too, even though at times they kind of sit on their hands up there. But the folks at Arkansas, they really jumpstart their team. When they need a big hit, they don't just sit back and wait for something to happen. And so I have a lot of respect for Arkansas fans. They support baseball. They love baseball like we do. And it is simply a matter of time before Dave Van Horn in Arkansas wins an AFL championship at Arkansas. And now that we've won one, I'm kind of okay with them winning one, right? We needed to win one first. But um, Arkansas, you know, they have become, you know, I would say basically since 16, they have been a team every year that's truly in contention. You know, 16, we swept them. Uh, here at Duty Noble Field to clinch the SEC championship. But since that time, they have been exceptional, absolutely exceptional. So uh, that's where things stand this weekend's schedule. And, again, weather may play a factor in all this stuff. Uh, looking at the standings real quick here, of course, South Carolina is now first because of the benefit of playing last night. But South Carolina and Vanderbilt both undefeated uh, in conference play, the only two teams that can make that claim. Kentucky just behind them, them in Florida, both 5-1. and one. And then Missouri's three and three, Tennessee three and four, Georgia one and five. If you had Tennessee uh, sixth in the East, two and a half weekends end, you have won college baseball bingo. LSU five and two leads the West. Arkansas's four and two, and then behind that, everybody's a losing record. Alabama's two and four, Auburn's two and four, A and M one and five, Ole Miss zero and six, State zero and seven. And so the West right now kind of taking it on the chin. And so we'll see how things progress here uh, as things kind of move forward, but. Um, it's still in the West, anybody's ball game for second. I think LSU will, will, will absolutely handle things uh, down the stretch here because especially they're so tough in their own ballpark. They really are. Uh, but that's your SEC weekend preview. We'll come back uh, on Monday and kind of recap the weekend. Looking forward to it. That's one benefit of us playing on Thursday is the fact that we can sit home on Sunday and watch college baseball. Many of you have some honeydew stuff to do. Uh, my honey is away for a few more days, so I've got some I've got some buffer time, right? I ain't got much to do anyway. Um, but the reality of it is, is I'm looking forward to enjoying some college baseball this weekend. I hope that you guys uh, are as well. And hopefully we can find a way to win a ball game or two 
right? Again, I, I truly believe whoever wins today wins the series, and that's easy to say if South Carolina wins. They've already won one. But uh, I believe we're going to win game three, regardless of what happens today. But uh, I don't know if we play today. You know, we may end up playing two tomorrow, which may be a good thing. You guys know Chris Lamonis, we've been seven doubleheaders in the Chris Lamonis era. We have won, we have swept five of them and split two of them. We have not lost a doubleheader in the Chris Lamonis era at Mississippi State. All right, final segment of the show, brought to you by Portico. I told you guys before, if I was moving to Starkville, I would move to Portico. I'm out here in the sticks. I like it out here in the sticks. There are sometimes, though, the thought of having to drive the town to go get something to eat just feels like uh, it's a bridge too far, right? Uh, if you lived at Portico, you'd be 1.1 miles away from Mississippi State. You'd be right there around all the action, but again, far enough away where you can have a little bit of a privacy, right? So you turn off 82 on the 12, like going to campus, the very first right is Pat Station Road. You go through the four-way stop. There's Portico right there on your right. You can start with a two-bedroom, two-bath home, go all the way up to a four-bedroom, four-bath home. And really anything in between, if you need a custom build, they can accommodate you. Give our friend Brooks Bryan a call at 601-416-8075. Again, at 601-416-8075. And listen, if you're thinking of moving to Starville and you've got a real estate agent, kind of mention to them, hey, we'd like to check out the opportunities of Portico. They can help you with that. And uh, phase one's completely sold out. Phase two under, under development now. Many of those homes are sold, but there are some available, and there's some lots that you can uh, pick out and have a say in your housing plans. That's a super cool thing, too. Everybody deserves to do that at least once. Maybe you could partner up with Blair Chandler and Brooks Bryan, get the killer bees working for you uh, to give you your ballgame weekend retreat or perhaps your primary residence here in Starkville. We'd love to have you as our neighbor. We would. Give Brooks a call again, 601-416-8075, and make Portico your next move. All right, I'm going to spend the last few minutes here. and I'm, Before I do that, let me just tell you, you know, if you hadn't bought my sports books, go to dogpilethebook.com. You can get them. That's D-A-W-G-P-I-L-E, thebook.com. Uh, Stark Villains basically sold out now. You have to buy them in stores. I guess there's a handful uh, still with the publisher. That's it. The last case went out last week. Alpha Dog's not far behind it. Uh, probably just a couple cases of that left. And a lot of people have come to town and bought books. And so... We're having to see, we're seeing bookstores locally kind of having to replenish. And so it's kind of drained the stock. I don't know when we put those books back in print, but it won't be this year. So if you need them, you need to get them to complete your collection. And of course, Flim Flam is available, Dog Pile is available. Uh, I would submit that every Mississippi State fan needs Dog Pile. Every, every Mississippi State fan, even if you don't read, just to have it like on your bookshelf or whatever, your, your coffee table or whatever. You need to have that to kind of commemorate that. There's going to come a time in your life and say, you know what, I want to go back and relive that NAFL championship. And every interview that I did that season, I kept. And I used them and quoted them in the books. So it wasn't like a revisionist deal, right? I kind of kept that, did the work as the season went on. But uh, I want to take some time here in our last few minutes together. And I want to talk about, you know, kind of what needs to happen. You know, a lot of people out there for screaming for a coaching change. I don't, I don't think that uh, I'm, I'm there, Okay. And uh, I think Chris Lamonis, people ask me, Steve, do you think Lamonis can turn it around? I do. I do think he can turn it around. Uh, I think it's interesting this week that Aaron Nixon came out and made some comments about Scott Foxhall unprompted. And Aaron Nixon is a first-year player here. We're sitting there interviewing him after the game on Tuesday. We decided to pick him. You know, we get a chance to, to request of uh, media relations who we want to interview. And, you know, a lot of times it's the captain. Like, if we lose a ball game, we usually get one player. 
And that's kind of our decision, right? I mean, you know, we're not idiots. I mean, we understand. They're ready to go. You guys are not going to read the coverage extensively when we lose. So we don't want to waste everybody's time. When we win, we get two players. And we hadn't had Dakota Jordan. And uh, we hadn't had Aaron Nixon. Of course, he's been on the shelf. But I ask a question, and then Stefan uh, Krasnick from the Ledger ask a question. And then it's just kind of unprompted. Nixon decided to, uh, you know, throw a bone out there about Scott Foxhall. You know, we love him being our coach. He's our guy. He talks about how much he's helped him. And then last night, you know, of course, we speak with Colt Ledbetter, and you can watch the video of the interview, uh, jeanspage.com, for free. And also you can see Jay Gotro's comments for free. And Jay Gotro, of course, sat in pinch pinch hit for Lamonis last night. Um, but Ledbetter talks about, you know, fighting for their coach. We all see what's happened with this losing streak. We do. And you just feel like, you know, we just need to win a game just so we can stop talking about it. I mean, this is a dark day in Mississippi State baseball history. The fact that we've lost this many SEC games in a row, uh, the worst start for us in SEC play since the 1930s. It's inexcusable. It's unacceptable. It is. And Chris Simonis knows that. But you're starting to see the players feel the need to defend the coaches. And um, I don't know if it's fair. I mean, obviously that's part of the deal. But there's enough pressure on these guys as it is. And so my hope is, you know, we can kind of get away from that. They, they just need to relax and focus on playing baseball and not think they're out here having to defend them. Listen, I appreciate the comments. I do. And I guess, again, Ledbetter was specifically asked about it. But it's interesting to me. Uh, it is. Now, some things have to change, you know, and, and I can't put my finger on everything that it is. Um, but we are a fan base that just will not tolerate losing in baseball. We just won't. And there are a lot of things that we do that I think are not necessarily um, indicative of winning baseball. And I don't just mean on the field. You know, it's just like I got, I'm, I'm not going to be – I'm not going to get too specific with this yet. Maybe I will next week. We'll see how things go. But there are a lot of things that we do. There are sometimes that um, I think we, we we focus on things that aren't as important as, they, as uh, maybe we think they are. Now, I love the lounge, and I love all the attendance records. I think it's great. But nothing – is more important than the team. Nothing is more important than the program and our tradition. And the reason we have the big crowds is because we have a good program. We have tradition. We're not having a good season, but we have a great program. One of the best programs in history of college baseball. Top 15. I think I had us 12 when I did the rankings. We're a great program. You finally won an AFL championship. I mean, that's the only thing that was missing. And, but I want another one. I'm not going to be satisfied with being Georgia and it's one and one. I want another one. But the focus should always be on what's best for the team. And there are some times, too, that that's not the case. And, uh, you know, I see some of these photo galleries at times, too. And, like, you know, we got, you know, pictures of – we got more pictures at times of um, – and maybe that's not a fair characterization. But we have a bunch of pictures of everybody hanging out in a lounge – and, uh, you know, everybody's, uh, you know, pork shoulder or whatever. And, you know, everybody's holding up drinks and having a good time. And I'm not saying we shouldn't have some of that stuff. 
but not at the expense of the team. You know, when I was a kid, and in some respects in my heart I still am, and when I was a kid, those guys were my heroes. And I think, you know, a lot of that had to do with because of the fact they could do things that I couldn't do. And the fact that we identified as Mississippi State fans. They were our guys. These are still our guys. They're not performing to our expectations, but they're our guys. And so my hope is, is maybe we can direct some of our energy. And there's, there are some people that are already, you know, their minds are made up. And uh, I get it. I understand it. I'm not, I'm, how can anybody defend losing 18 SEC games in a row? You, you can't. You can't. You think at some point you just get lucky, right? We didn't. Again, last night I thought we, we took a step. I thought we competed. But we need to win a ball game. And so my request of you is let's put our support behind the team. Let's put a little bit of a pause. I know some of you are, are not going to listen, and that's fine. You know, it's America. It's a free country. Um, let's redirect our energy a little bit and support our team because they need you. And uh, a lot of our fans, you know, obviously uh, tag players when they're upset, you know, and the reason, and I get, I've said before, it comes from a good place. The, the execution is horrible, but it's the love of the program. And the love of the program is, um, is the driving force behind the frustration. We love Mississippi State baseball. We love getting excited about life. We enjoy having a good time. But at the end of the day, we don't just show up and have a barbecue here for, for no reason. It's because we love Mississippi State baseball. Nothing matters more than a team. And I think sometimes we lose focus of that. And there are a lot of people out there that are basketball fans first or even basketball fans second, baseball fans third. And they're like, I don't understand why we can't get the support uh, for men's basketball. Well, it's coming, okay? It will never be on the same level as baseball. And a lot of that's because being you know, baseball at Duty Noble Field is such a social event. They're friends you only see at Duty Noble. And you love them and you love hanging out with them. But one of the main reasons why is because we expect to win. And we're not winning. And there's only so much love that we can give, right? I mean, it's, you know, you know I mean, how, how many times you think about in life when you've had something going on, well, you know, we're going to throw our thoughts and prayers behind this cause, and it may make you feel a little bit better, but it doesn't change a whole lot. Not that I don't believe in prayer, I do. But we don't always get what we want, like the great Garth Brooks song, you know, unanswered prayers. You know, I've lived that life. And when you think you want something so bad and this is all you want, you ask God to give it to you and you don't, and you find out later he had a better plan for you, right? <laughs> and karma is a real thing, for sure. And I think, you know, when we sow good seeds, we get good seeds in, in the harvest or we get good crops in the harvest. And I think this is one of those situations where we as a fan base, I can't even say that we're disjointed right now. I think there's just this collective frustration for everybody. And we start turning on each other, and, and I, I'm guilty of this too, right? There are people that say things I don't agree with, or you know, the thing that I'm that always bothers me is when people get personal. You can have as bad a baseball take as you want, you can have as hot a take as you want, that perhaps uh, doesn't align with how I see things, and that doesn't mean that we can't be friends. We can just be disagree. That's okay too. 
But at the end of the day, what matters most is Mississippi State baseball. And this is a collective experience that we're having. And again, there's some people, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. Then be done. Be done. Don't say you're done and then come back and then make everybody else miserable because you're miserable. And I understand that misery, again, comes from the fact that you love Mississippi State baseball. And we need to win a ball game. I mean, even if for no other reason, just so we can stop talking about the streak, right? I mean, you start thinking, what are the chances of us making Hoover? Well, you know, when you look at the bottom of the West right now, you realize there's still a golden opportunity for us to make Hoover. What are the chances of us making the NCAA tournament? Pretty slim, right? You know, barring, you know, a great run. Not to mention, we still have LSU and Arkansas left to play. You know, there's a lot of teams left that are going to be playing for national championships that we're going to have to play along the way. They're going to be better than us. But you just feel like if we could just get a W, it would not only be good, great for the team, it would be great for the fan base. And it's like, you know, the, the, of course, then the fans kind of come back and rally around the team. Okay, boys, let's start a run here. Let's start a run here. And so that's my hope is that we can pick up a win or two this weekend and kind of give us a chance to reset a little bit. Because, again, you look at the, you know, the fact that A&M is 1-5, George is 1-5, Ole Miss is 0-6, you know, only two teams miss Hoover. Now, the fact that we're having to talk about just making Hoover is a problem. Two years removed from an AFL championship, but anybody ever thought in a million years that we'd be sweating this thing out just hoping to make it to Hoover and probably having to go over there needing to win the SEC tournament <laughs> to make the tournament field? You wouldn't, I mean, you would never have thought, imagine that in a million years, but here we are. My hope is, though, is that we can kind of unite behind the team. And that's really all I'm saying here is, is that uh, – and I'm not saying you got to be overly positive. I'm just saying let's not be overly negative. And you know, what you and I do or say it really doesn't impact the outcome of the ballgames. But, um, you know, it does impact, uh, you know, our social media communities. You know, it does impact, uh, I think, some other people out there that perhaps are uh, maybe on the fence about coming to a ball game. You know, I just I think, you know, like we had 13,000 people last Saturday come watch us lose to Vanderbilt. You know, one of the biggest crowds in um, Duty Noble history. So it's not our fans' fault. I just hope that we can all kind of unite. It was so great after we won an Apple championship. I mean, that goes without saying, right? But everywhere you went – Everybody was wearing their NAFL championship shirts or wearing their M over S stuff or Tanner Allen shirts, and it was all this Hell State stuff, and, and we had never been more united as a fan base. Never. Because we got the ultimate prize. Let's not be fair-weathered in our support, though. The Diamond Dogs need you right now. No matter how you feel about Chris Simonis and Jake Gotro and Scott Foxhall and Kyle Cheeseboro, no matter how you feel about those guys, they need you. They're your coaches. And, again, I'm not asking you to send them a get-well card or anything like that. But let's put a little bit of a pause on some of the vitriol. And I know in the middle of a ball game, it's like, oh, my gosh, I cannot believe this is happening to us, Mississippi State. But let's try to be positive. And, again, I understand that you and I are not there pitching and catching or batting or anything like that. But I know what happens is the weight of it all. It's already tough enough to win at baseball and then play in a Southeastern Conference, and then you're struggling already. And, uh, you know, players probably shouldn't be on social media, but some of our some of our fans go out of our, our way to make sure they know how upset they are with them. I just don't know where that profits anything. Yeah, I talked with a uh, former Bulldog baseball player recently, and I'll share a little bit of this conversation with you without revealing the name. And he talked, and we talked about 
what it means to play at Mississippi State, how special it is, but also how difficult it is. You know, we're the best of the best, right? I mean, the competition level here to get on the field um, is immense. But you go out there and you play at Duty Noble Field and there's 13,000 people out there and you boot a ground ball or you swing at a bad pitch, it's a big deal. You know, you go play at Missouri and there's 150 people in stands. Most people don't even read the recap in the paper. Baseball doesn't matter there. Baseball matters here, and it takes a special young man to be able to shoulder our expectations, the weight of this program at times and of this fan base. And we need to make sure that we've, we're recruiting that caliber of player that can deal with it. It's different here. And you hear that a lot when you talk to people that have played here, uh, opposing teams, I'll tell you, it's, it's different here. You don't think those people like uh, Nico Cavanis at Notre Dame will tell you it's different here? You know, he scooted down before we left and took some dirt with him. You know, people understand what we all have created, and we're all shareholders in this experience. And so my hope is, is that, you know, we can spark something. You know, I, I'm a firm believer that this young class that we have are going to do some special things before they're done. I think you probably all feel the same way. If we can keep them out of the portal, right? And if you don't think there's – other people out there, third parties that are thinking, oh, well, we need to get Gerangelo Sanji to transfer to this school or that school or whatever. There's going to be people out there to do that. And so I think it's important for us to do our part. Us to do our part. Get behind the team uh, and ensure that we, we, we feel like that better days are ahead of us. No matter who the coach is. We're Mississippi State. We'll be back. Could we be back this year? You know, I don't, I don't know if I'm willing to say that. But I know there's a lot of baseball left. I know that today is a new day, and weather permitting, we got a chance to go play on the ball game, a chance for us to go win, a chance for us to go begin to lay some groundwork to go on a run. And, again, getting Aaron Nixon back is big, getting Kate Smith back is big, Parker Sinet back is big, because it kind of gives some other people to help shoulder the workload a little bit, some guys that have got SEC innings under their belt. So my hope is we turn it around. I'm not going to sit here and tell you we are going to turn it around. Because I don't know that I fully believe that. But I know that today is a new day. Let's go make the most of today. And uh, for all of you that will be at Duty Double Field this week and this weekend, we thank you. Those of you that couldn't make it, that are watching on TV, we thank you too. But we're in this thing together. Win, lose, good, bad, or indifferent, we're in this thing together. And uh, I am always proud to be a Mississippi State guy. And I'm always proud of Mississippi State baseball, even when I'm not pleased with the results on the field. And so – Let's just kind of get ready to go now and get excited about what's next. Uh, but until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. 
every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.